So we are on a series called Blessed, and um, we're talking about one of, the, one of the keys to living a life that God can bless in amazing ways is to live and give generously. Um, what about Pastor Dale Sauls last week? Did he do an awesome job or what, man? He brought it. If you did not hear the message, I encourage you to go back on- online and, and watch that. But we are in part two of Blessed today, and fall is upon us. It's one of my favorite times of the year. Uh, cooler weather. I'm still waiting for that cooler weather to happen. 90 degrees uh, right now. And uh, our, our ACs are working overtime right now. So, so hang in there. Uh, I love seeing the leaves change colors. Um, you know, here in Goldsboro area, the, it's, it's not as vibrant as it is in some other places. A lot of places, a lot of trees around here, they just kind of like turn brown and die and fall off. But uh, if you go to Raleigh, even just an hour away, uh, it's, it's amazing, just the, just the beautiful colors. And we love to go to the mountains during this time as well. Also with the fall is football. Glory to God. Football. And I know some of you are saying, yeah, pastor, football is on in about an hour and a half. So let's keep this sucker brief. I feel you. Listen, we're going to get some people to Jesus, and then we're going to watch some football, all right? I don't want to start a fight around here. I know. Listen, we're all Browns fans. I, that's all. That's all. Listen, Jesus said to love the least of these. And when you are a Browns fan, you love the least of these. So as we think about uh, all of this, I want to play a little game, Would You Rather?, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you guys uh, a couple things to choose from. So, um, and guys, just be ready to, to go with these slides. We're going to go through them real fast here. So, would you, uh, we, have, we have white meat, all right? And then we have dark meat. Oh, we just have one slide for the, okay. That's awkward. All right. So. All right, if, you, or if you're, uh, whatever choice you're going to pick, I, you need, I'm going to do a clap or a, or a shout or whatever it is. All right, let's have all the white meat people. All the dark meat people. Listen, when I was younger, I used to thought the dark meat was kind of gross because it just looked weird, you know, but it's so much more juicier, you know. All right, so we have uh, green bean casserole, and we have sweet potato casserole. All right. Oh, that's a tough one. All right. Green bean casserole people. Sweet potato people. I tell you what, you folks down here in the South know how to make a sweet potato casserole. It's like eating dessert before the desserts even come, you know? All right. We got pecan pie. Oh, I'm sorry. I said it wrong. Pecan pie. That's how they say it down the south. Pecan or apple pie. All right. Another tough one. All right. Pecan pie people. Apple pie people. Apple pie with some vanilla ice cream with that. Oh, yeah. I think that won. I think that won. So if you're going to be around a lot of people during the holidays, would you rather spend time with the in-laws <laughs> or would you rather spend time with Cousin Eddie? 
All right. The in-laws. Who's, who's looking forward to spending time with the in-laws? That was the lowest clap of the morning so far. And Cousin Eddie. How about our Cousin Eddie? I'm sure uh, m many of you know that's from, uh, from Christmas Vacation. If, uh, if you are not sure who the Cousin Eddie is in your family, it's probably you. It's probably you. So as we enter the fall season, it makes us think about the holidays like Thanksgiving, which makes us think about how blessed we are. But in spite of this surge of gratefulness, there will still be a part of us that feels a little bit incomplete. And oftentimes we think the cure for that is to just get a little bit more, to get a little bit more. Let me give you an illustration. Isn't it interesting that right after the day of Thanksgiving, celebrating how thankful we are, many of us will get into our car that night or get up very early in the morning and go trample over each other's faces to buy more things. Now, sometimes we say we're buying gifts for other people, but we always find a little bit of room in the cart to buy some things for ourselves, all right? And there is something inside of us that says, yeah, I'm blessed and thankful, but I need to get a little bit more stuff to really be happy. So let's go back to the Would You Rather game. Would you rather be rich or would you rather be blessed? Would you rather be rich or blessed? The problem is, we tend to think rich and blessed are the same thing. We think, well, if I had more wealth, I'd be more blessed. We don't say it out loud because we don't want to sound too greedy. But we usually think, if I had more money, if I had more stuff, wouldn't that mean I'm more blessed? Now, here's the deal. All of us are rich, but not all of us are blessed. What I'm talking about is when I say all of us are rich, you may have come in here today thinking you are not rich at all because most of us tend to think of rich as something other people are, but certainly not me. I'm, I'm not rich, right? Well, let me share a few facts about the world we live in. One billion people in the world live on less than $1 a day. So there's 7 billion people in the world today, and a billion of those live on one less than $1 a day. Most of you have this much money under your cushions at home or in your, cat, or in your uh, car ashtray. You know that if you make 50000 per year, combined household income, you are in the top 1% of the world's wealthy. $50,000 total income, household income, you are 1% of the world's wealthy. Rich is not a number that we achieve in our income. Rich is that you simply have more than you need. This means that if you live in America, you are rich. And I always encourage people to go on a mission trip every once in a while. And I really am looking forward to taking our kids on a mission trip and really understanding uh, how, how blessed our kids are. Now, I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anybody. I'm trying to help us get a proper perspective on how wealthy we are, how truly wealthy we are. If you have ever stood in front of your closet packed full of clothes and said, I have nothing to wear, you are probably rich. For a guy, that means I have nothing clean to wear. 
For a gal, that means I have nothing new to wear, even though you've probably only worn that thing twice, whatever it is. Well, that's a rich person's problem. If you've ever thrown food in the trash because you couldn't eat it all, or you refuse to eat leftovers because they don't taste as good, that's what rich people do. And um, I don't know, like, how you guys are raised, but, man, like, sometimes I'll see people throw, like, a whole, almost a whole plate of food away. I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like, didn't your mama teach you anything, you know? And if you're not going to eat it, don't take it, you know? I mean, uh, buffets, oh, they drive me crazy, buffets, when I see people just load up on the buffet and they, they barely touch anything that, that they got. The truth is we are all rich, but even though all of us are rich from that perspective and based on those standards, we are not all blessed. And you might be thinking living in America is a blessing. The car you mentioned, the house, the garage, aren't those blessings, Pastor? Yes, they are, but I'm talking about something different. And when I talk about being blessed, I'm talking about the fact that most of us don't know what contentment means. We really struggle with that word contentment. Being blessed is more than just happiness. It's joy. Um, you know, when I think about happiness, and, and happiness, happiness comes and goes, man. Happiness is, is a lot of times based on how I feel, but joy is something that only God can give me. Joy is knowing that I'm right with God. Joy is knowing that maybe my situation doesn't look the way I want to look, but I know the one I serve is in control, and I know that this isn't all that there is. I know that this isn't my final destination. This isn't my, my final home. That's joy, and nothing can, can take that away from me. Being blessed is having an inner sense of satisfaction and fulfillment, that regardless of your outward circumstances, you are at peace. So let me ask that question to you this morning. Are you at peace right now? Are you at peace? How is your home? Is your peace filled with home? Uh, is your, is your, is your, well, is your home, peace filled with home? Is your home filled with peace? Because I tell you what, man, I know a lot of people that got more money than they know what to, they know what to do with, and there is not peace in their hearts, and there is not peace in their home. There's not peace in their families. There's not, there's not peace in their marriage. There's not peace with their relationship with their kids, and man, I wouldn't. I would not trade peace for what they have any day, any day. Being blessed is having confidence that God loves you. Being blessed is having confidence that God loves you and that you are enjoying his favor in your life. So do you know that God loves you? And are you enjoying his favor in your life? no matter what your checking account says, no matter how many, how many zeros you have at the end of your checking account. Of course, all of us want to be blessed, and that's what we're going to talk about the rest of this month, what it's like to have God's divine and supernatural power working in and through you. That's being blessed. The key principle, living a life that is blessed, has less to do with how much wealth we have and more to do with how we use the wealth that we have. 
This is great news for all of us because being blessed doesn't require an increase in our income. We certainly like it when our income increases, but you can't start living a life of blessing, but you can start living a life of blessing right where you are today. And so if you are, will be open-minded in this series and asking God, God, help me to live a life of blessing right where I'm at right now, he'll do that for you. He'll do that for you. Solomon, one of the wisest and wealthiest men who ever lived, in Proverbs 11, 24, 25, said, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I know people that have battled depression, and I have battled it myself at times, and I know there's different, different levels. I mean, I know people that are so depressed that they can't even get out of bed. They, don't, they, they never leave their house. And there's other levels, and, and, and you know, where you just, sometimes you just want to, you just don't want to be around people. You, you just, you want to just go to bed, and it's 6 o'clock at night, and you just don't want to deal with what's going on. I, I've been there before. Do you know one of the best ways to overcome depression is to serve somebody? When I look at, at the times that I battle depression, it's when, you know when that, when that, when that happens? is when I'm totally inward focused. And I'm just totally looking at myself, and, 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 I'm, and I, I don't, I'm not looking at other people's needs. I'm not, I'm not looking to, to love anybody else. And, and I understand, when you, when you are severely depressed, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard to get out of that funk, and, and maybe some of you are on medication for that. And, um, but I tell you what, if you can just serve someone in a small way, you'd be amazed at how far that can go and how that can oftentimes help you get out of a little bit of the funk you're in. So today's lesson, whether or not you walk in God's blessings, depends on whether or not you possess a heart of generosity. Whether or not you walk in God's blessings depends on whether or not you possess a heart of generosity. That is one of the primary reasons I love this church. We are a very generous church. Let me share you a little bit of things of of what your generosity does and how your generosity impacts people that you may not even be aware of. <clears throat> the bridge gives over $25,000 a year to help over 300 families a year getting them back on their feet by helping them get groceries, keep the electricity on, and get some gas in their car. Over $25,000. Last September, we shared that we had run out of room for our kids and that we needed $40,000 to open up a new kids expansion and to double the size of our kids' facilities and reach more young families for Jesus. Guess what you, the Goldsboro Campus, gave last year for offering Fit for a King? $40,000. And so that's why that expansion happened. Because you gave. You can give yourself a round of applause for that. <clears throat> Because you gave over your normal ties, we were able to reach more kids and more young families for Jesus Christ. The bridge is serving over 600 homeless and low 
income individuals each month at the soup kitchen. And right now, we have a team serving the homeless lunch right now. And you give over $1,200 each month to make that happen. And this requires the generosity of over 60 volunteers every single month. The, uh, the Goldsboro campus were assigned the soup kitchen on the third Sunday of the month. So if you want to be a part of it, just stop by the guest services table, and uh, they'll get your name, and we'll get you plugged in. You're saying, well, man, I, you know, this is my first time being in church. Um, you know, I don't even know Jesus. I don't even believe in the Bible. That don't matter. That don't matter. You can make a difference. You can make an impact on people's lives, even though you don't belong, even though you don't believe. And that's why we say you can belong before you believe. And, um, and so you can make a difference here. The key to living a, a life blessed by God is inseparably linked to your heart of generosity. Excuse me for my, my cough here. I've had a sore throat here for these last three weeks and working through that. Also doesn't help that I have four kids that I have to get their attention to. So when you give to a local church that has a heart for the things that Jesus has a heart for, not only does it bless those who need it most, but you get blessed as well. Your generosity has made the bridge that kind of local church. And we are continually growing in our generosity. You know that offering fit for a king? I've been here for six and a half years. And do you know that every year that offering goes up every single year? Do you know last year our offering fit for a king that we take up once a year we brought in over $252,000 in one week last year. Is that awesome or what, man? And you know what? I believe it's going to go up again this year because it's making a big impact. The only person that clapped was the one that gave to that one, I guess. <laughs> so why is it so hard to be a generous person? Why is it such a struggle for us? You know, I know... I know Part of it is because we live in the United States of abundance. I know when, when you live around so much materialism, it's hard not to be materialistic yourself. But, you know, we're born, we're born with not a heart to give, but a heart to take. It's, it's our nature. Let me give you an example. Those that are little ones or, or those that, you know, their, your little ones have, have grown up. When you take your kids to a birthday party, what do your kids want when they go to a birthday party? Where's the goodie bag? Who started that tradition? It's a birthday party for this kid. And now, everyone gets a goodie bag. It's crazy, man. And, and, and we've been sucked into it as well, you know? And uh, I just, I just nuts. That's, 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 just a, that's just one um, example of our hearts are prone. Let's not, let's not celebrate this kid's life. I want something before I leave, and it better be good. If not, I'm going to take two of them, you know? We are born sinful and selfish, and so when you give, you fight against the flesh. When you give, you become more like Christ who gave everything he had. 
And, you know, I, I really got serious in my, in my walk with Jesus Christ 15 years ago. And I remember going to church, and I would throw in a few bucks here and there. But now, man, we write a check that I never thought that we would write a check on a monthly basis. And I, and I just pray that as you grow in your faith, you become more generous. That's one way of seeing that you are a growing believer, that you are more generous with your time, with your talents that God's given you, and the gifts that God has given you as well. That's how you know you're growing. So I want to walk you through three perspectives we can have when thinking about the riches God has given us. As we go through these, just track with me mentally and ask yourself, which one of these mindsets do I have? Which, which perspective does God want me to have? Number one is the sock mentality. All right? This perspective says, I think we have a sock there, don't we? Maybe. Okay, the sock mentality. All right. This perspective says, God has given me some resources, but it's not very much. This is all I have to manage, and it never seems to be enough. Haggai 1.6, New Living Translation says, You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Is that... Kind of, does that kind of seem like where you're at right now, your perspective a little bit? Anybody feel that way? Like you've got this, you know, this sock, and, and maybe you got some money in it, and you're trying to stretch it as, as far as it can go, but it's got like this hole in it, and just, it just like, keeps on falling out, money keeps on falling out. But as you're walking in life, the money just, you know, seems to disappear. You know, the hot water heater broke, the car won't crank, the vacuum caught on fire. Listen, if any of your vacuums ever caught on fire, change the bag, you know. The kids need school supplies. They want to play sports, so you have to buy all this equipment. And then they decide in the middle of the, the season they don't really like that sport anymore. So then now you've got to sell that equipment to someone else. You've got to sell for half price. There is just this constant outflow of money everywhere you turn, and you feel like you're living with a very limited amount of money. And there never seems to be enough. Let me ask you a question. How much money do you think you would need to not feel that way? How much money do you think you would need not to feel that way? What is the number in your mind that would help you get out of that perspective? What would it take for you to feel completely secure financially? You know what the answer is? It's always more than you have. Whatever number it is, it will always be more than you have. So it has nothing to do with how much money you make. It's in how you view, perceive, think about the resources God has put in your hands. Many of us live with the mindset that there's never enough, and as a result... We constantly feel as if our money is falling out of our pockets. So when we talk about being generous, there are parts of you that feels a wave of fear come over you and say, there's just no way I can be generous. I, I want to. I know God, will, God wants me to, but I just can't. 
That mentality has nothing to do with how much money you make. It has to do with your mentality on the riches God has given you. Now, I know there's some uncomfortableness going on around up in here. And some of you are saying, I just brought my friend to church who hasn't been in years, and we're talking about this stuff. But I'm telling you what, there's a reason why Jesus talked more about money than almost anything else. Because it has such an impact on our hearts. And I tell you what, man, <clears throat> I didn't like talking about money either. You know, but the more that I grow as a believer, the more I realize I need to hear it more and more. And, and, and I'm not afraid to, to talk about it. I'm not afraid to preach about it. Uh, because I see the hold that it, that it had on my life, and it doesn't have as much of a hold now, but it is impacting me in so many ways. The mentality has nothing to do with how much you make. It's your mentality that what God's given you. So Judas had this, this sock mentality. He was literally in charge of the bag full of money to pay for the things the disciples needed and follow Jesus. Judas, Judas's mentality was so focused on the bag of money, listen, get this, was so focused on the bag of money that he betrayed Jesus for another bag of money. That's how focused he was. You think, I would never betray Jesus, but the Bible says when we don't give generously back to God, we are betraying God. It says that we are stealing from him because it's all his to begin with. So the reason many of us don't feel blessed is because we have sock with holes in it mentality. Number two, the basket mentality. The basket mentality. Is this you? Is this your mentality? The basket mentality, this is the person who can make the exact same amount of money, the exact same amount of money as the person with the sock mentality. But they just view their money in a totally different light. Instead of looking at the same amount and saying, look at how little I have, they say, look at how much God has given me. Look at all the wonderful blessings in my life. God, if you want some of this back, please have some. Have as much as you want, God, because it wasn't mine to begin with. It's all yours, God. Take whatever you want, because I am just so overwhelmed at how generous you have been towards me. The exact same amount of money, just a different mentality. Look what Jesus said in Luke 6.38. He says, give and you will receive... Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Back in Jesus' day, they would bring in day laborers and they'd give them a basket and say, harvest the wheat and then bring it over to the storehouse. And if you were smart because the wheat was heavy, you'd fill the basket only partially full because you had to carry that sucker. Then come on over and unload it in the storehouse. The generous landowner would tell the laborer, the last, the last basket is yours. Now just think how you would feel that basket. 
You'd fill it, you'd shake it down. You'd fill it some more, you'd press it down and fill it more until you couldn't get any more in the basket. Let me give you a modern day example. You go to QT and they have a Slurpee station. You get the big one, like the trough size. You fill it up and you shake it down because you want to get the air out. And you fill it up again and you shake it down. And then you want to make sure that it tastes good, even though you haven't paid for it yet. And so you drink a little bit, make sure it's good, maybe, maybe have another sip. And then you put a dome on top of it. And you fill it up some more. And so not only is it at dome level, it's coming out of the hole of the dome, right? Because you're like, I got a long road trip. I got a, I got a long day at work. I need to get as much slurpy as I can, right? And so that's kind of a modern-day illustration. I thought it was going to be funnier than what it was, but that's okay. <laughs> Jesus is saying in Luke 6.38 that is, is this kind of heavenly father we have, like the generous landowner, he keeps filling your basket until it's running over. Some of you look at your checkbook, and it doesn't make sense with what you're making, what the bills are, how you have to provide, that there is always money in there. It's like God mathematics. I remember when, when I didn't have a job for a while, and and, uh, and we had one child at the time. Somehow, money was in my checkbook to pay my bills for the next six to ten months. How was that working? And I wasn't getting it legally. But that's how God works, man. That's how he works. He blesses you in ways that you can't imagine. My point is when you grow out of the sock with holes, man, what's up with these trains today, man? Seriously. He <laughs> like one a day and we got two in that last 20 minutes. Whatever. All right. My, my point is when you grow out of the sock with holes mentality into a more generous basket mindset, when you open your hands and begin to give God back what he's given you, and you give to others, God will always outgive you. He will always out. I guarantee it, man. I guarantee it. My prayer is that you will allow God to help you grow in your faith from the sock with holes in it mentality to the basket mentality. Then you will begin to see how much God has really given to you. To give back to him a tiny percentage of all he's given you is the least that we can do to express our faith and appreciation for his generosity toward us. Because you know that you serve such a generous master who will keep filling up your basket, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's a wonderful way to live. But there is a third perspective that is even higher and more pleasing to God. That is the storehouse mentality. The storehouse mentality. Is this you? Deuteronomy 28.8 says, The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land 
he is giving you. The storehouse mentality says, I am a conduit to be used by God to bless other people. And the idea of giving 10% is only the beginning. And really, I mean, I've, I really feel like 10% is like the bare minimum. Um, you know, my wife and I, we, we, give, we give more than 10% because God has just blessed us so much that I don't want to just give God the bare minimum. I want to go above and beyond that. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. The person who honors God with the first fruits is saying, God, I believe I will be far more blessed living on 90% of my income or 85% of my income, knowing your hands are on that, than I would be by keeping and managing the full 100% without your blessing. The sock mentality is always asking, God, can I trust you with my finances? Can I really trust you? The storehouse mentality is always saying, I want to prove to God that he can trust me with his resources. I want to serve him as a conduit to bless others. The offering fit for a king challenge is three weeks from today, October 2nd. Can you believe October 2nd is three weeks away? Pray about how you and your family can be a part of kingdom work. Ask the question, God, how can what you have given me or my family impact souls for eternity? How can what you've given me, how can you, what you've given my family, and get your kids involved as well. You know, start, ha, start encouraging them to, to set some money aside and say, God, I want my family to impact souls. Because you know what? That's all that's going to matter. We take nothing with us when we're gone. And how, you think about those that believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior and those that will spend eternity with him. There's going to be people that you meet in heaven that will thank you for your generosity, for you taking, a t- uh, taking the time and, and changing someone's tire. And, and you had an opportunity to, to be Jesus to someone, an opportunity to say, you know, I, I never went to church before, but I... I started going to this church called The Bridge, and, you know, my husband and I, we, we didn't really know Jesus, but we thought we'd give it a try, and, and, and I want to thank you for holding my baby so I could sit in here and, and listen to the message. And, I, and, 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 and one of those Sundays, I, I surrendered my heart to Christ, and I just, I just want to thank you for what you did. Or I want to thank you for, for being so generous with the offering fit for a king. That, that you showed me what, what Christian, Christianity is all about. You know, we, uh, we hear about bucket lists. And uh, my wife and I, we have a bucket list of things that we want to do uh, before we're out of here. But you think about if you have a, if you have a bucket list or, or maybe you're thinking about coming up with a bucket list are there generosity goals in that bucket list? Are there 
some things that you want to accomplish in this life before God takes you home, if you know him, that you want to do that are totally, like, out there. That, that you know that God would have to be a part of that for, for you to accomplish that. I know people on their bucket list that they want to give a car away before they die. They want to give a car away to someone. I know people that want to give a house away to a family in need. How awesome would that be to take some car key, to take a house key and say, this is yours? Would that be incredible or what? I know people that have goals to give 50% of their yearly income back to God and then live off the other 50. How, how incredible would that be to be able to write out a big check every single month to know that you're impacting souls and you're good with the other 50% because that's all you need. I heard this quote. It said, you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. You make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. Let's pray.